to Lambda Weekly. I'm Dave Taffet here in the studio with Lauren Landis. Late Patty Fink is going to be extremely late because she refuses to be in the studio with Scott Pogancy. That's right. I'm, I'm quite offended. Uh, and you should be. <laughs> Don't be. It seems like she has been here how many times I've been on, and she has been here one time. So well, I, and I, I, I don't, I don't that think, was a mistake. She probably thought someone else was here. Yeah, I don't think she knew you were coming. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and with Scott is Richard Ray. You know him from Fox 4 News, but he has retired from Fox 4 News and started a new, busier career as a producer, actor, director, MC. Uh, and documentarian, and has been working with Scott on uh, the project that you've been on a number of times talking about, but we're going to keep harping on it because this is one that is just, it's called Brandon Woodruff, Texas Justice. Texas Justice, Brandon Woodruff. Brandon Woodruff, Texas, Texas Justice. No, Texas Justice. <laughs> you got me confused, David. Texas Justice Brandon Woodruff. However, uh, we are actually kind of revamping, and uh, with Richard now involved, we're kind of going back and back to the drawing board, and we're now renaming it to, just to plain old Texas Injustice. But you're making it into a series. Yes, we're. we're the, the goal is that we're going to make it into a, a six or eight part docu series. So, absolutely. but the story continues. So. Uh... That might yeah, just be this, season one. The story is not over yet. And the story <laughs> isn't over as far as I'm concerned till he's out of prison. Correct. Correct. And for those who don't know, give us a quick refresher. What is the story? If you've never heard this before. Sure, absolutely. Uh, so Brandon Woodruff was a 19-year-old gay kid that was uh, arrested and tried and ultimately convicted for murdering both of his parents out in Hunt County. And uh, he he's a victim of the criminal justice system in Texas. Uh, there was a lot of bias uh, in the arrest, in the investigation, and even in the trial. And so I have been able to go back and discover and reanalyze information that was already there to realize that the information that proves Brandon's innocence is the same information that got him convicted. Just Okay, so my it. favorite piece of information that isn't available <laughs> are the phone records that would show where he was during the time of the murder, because they pinned down pretty much when the murder was. And those phone records are there for the day before and for the week before and the month before. They're there for the day after, but they just happen to be missing that day. Right. There's 14 hours missing on that particular day. And, and let me also say that, you know, you say that they pinned down when the murders occurred. The only reason that they have a theory as to what time the murders occurred is because that's the time that Brandon was quote-unquote available. They were not able to prove what time the murders occurred. They could have occurred at 2, 3, 4 o'clock in the morning, 5 o'clock in the morning, and they, would not, they, they wouldn't have any evidence or any uh, way to prove that. So, In fact, there's powerful evidence that they were murdered much later than the, their theory. Uh, the bodies were found. The this happened on a uh, Saturday night, Sunday, Sunday morning. The bodies were found on a Tuesday afternoon, 
and there was uh, still water in a sink in a bathtub, which we've had a forensic expert look at that they somebody was in that house uh, within 16 hours of finding the body. So that puts it much after the time period that they come. You, you bring up the phone records. We can piece together the phone records because Brandon called other people, other people called him. Uh, the the really startling part of it is that uh, we've also uncovered a phone expert who worked on a case back at the time and has groundbreaking new software. And he, ind- he indicates uh, unequivocally that Every one of the phone records that was turned over to the to the defense team were originals, except Brandon's. Brandon's had been doctored either intentionally or on, or unintentionally, but they were not the original phone records. They were some sort of a cut and paste uh, set of records that came from the U.S. Marshal's office. So there's there's just I, I'll, I'll give a brief thumbnail how I got involved in this with my new career in which I if it sounds like fun I do it and voiceover acting whatever I've been looking for a project that I really wanted to that I could do more than just be a bit player and and Mm -hmm. have some control over and uh, I got contacted on a a website called Backstage by a filmmaker named Scott Pogansy who was looking (laughs) for people to do a reenactment and I told him politely and I did that didn't sound like that particular thing was something I wanted to do and then he Message back to me, and oh my God, I didn't realize it was the Richard Ray because he'd grown, he'd grown up here and he knew me from my time on TV. So the more I talked about it, I watched his uh, rough cut documentary, uh, I listened to his podcasts, and I became convinced that there's no way that Brandon Wood- Woodruff could have committed these murders. The phone records that are available to us prove he could not have done it. If you really look at the testimony that was given at trial, I don't know what what trial those jurors sat through, but it's clear from the testimony given in the trial that he could not have murdered his parents. Now, that doesn't make a particularly good film, so we're really trying... We're really trying to find people who really believe that he did it, and they're going to tell us the evidence of why they believe he did it. You know, nobody like that will talk to us. You know, it seems like these days, uh, phone records, you can get your phone records with a snap of a finger. This happened how long ago? 2006. 2005. 2005. 2005. Okay, so. and But the, the phone records were available. Mm-hmm. The only problem was that the defense kept asking for the phone records and the prosecution kept saying oh well we don't have them yet we're still in the process of getting them from the phone company um and then once they got them okay well we're, we're still preparing them so the pro- the defense had to go to court and actually file motions several times to try to get these phone records and then by the time the uh, the prosecution finally turned them over to the defense you know, they, they looked at him with Brandon, and Brandon was like, wait a second, where's all my calls from that day? I was making calls all day long and all night long. Where are they? And so they went back to the prosecution, and the prosecution just kind of shrugged. And so by that time, it was already too late to go back and to the phone companies. And, you know, they had delayed for so long that the phone companies mm-hmm. had already destroyed. And even more startling. Brandon was arrested five days, six days after his parents' bodies were founded. The, the Texas Ranger leading this investigation did not even seek the phone records for six months. 
after being in the interview room, it's on tape, promising Brandon, yeah, we're going to check into your alibis, we're going to check your phone records, we're going to go all do all that. Did none of that, left the interview, wrote up an arrest warrant that's filled with falsehoods, got him arrested, he sat in jail. He's been in jail ever since. That's one of the things that actually made me, you know, when I first realized it, um, you know, literally get up and throw my pen across the room. I was so mad that Ranger Collins tells Brandon, you know, yeah, we're going to check out your alibis. We're going to go, you know, you say that you were here. You say that you were there. You were saying you were doing all this stuff. We're going to go check it out. And then Ranger Collins puts in his in his arrest affidavit that he or, or in his uh, investigative report, excuse me, um, that as soon as Brandon left the sheriff's office, that he started writing the arrest affidavit. And I was like, you got to be kidding me. So when Brandon was even told about his parents' murders, he wasn't even in town? No, he was at college. He was at Abilene. In fact, everything he told the ranger about where he'd been, he was true. He was off on his timeline, which they used as, well, he's lying about it. Uh, and again, if you can lie about this became the mantra of the prosecution. And you see it all through the investigative reports and the trial. If he can lie about being gay... Mm -hmm. Which he was. He wasn't telling everybody about it. Uh, he'd begun to dance in day, gay clubs in Dallas. He'd made a couple of films in Florida. All this stuff was going on. And, yeah, he was a little reticent to admit that. He, in, he was in the Texas. coming out phase. Yeah, I mean, yeah. Anybody who knows who's coming out, is, especially 19 years old, it's a process. Now, you know, you know exactly. we, have, we have a lot of listeners in East Texas, and it is Pledge Drive. How <laughs> was that for a segue? Uh, we need uh, we need to collect oh um, about three hundred dollars more on this show to make our goal nine seven two six four seven one eight nine three is the number nine seven two six four seven one eight nine three. Last pledge drive. Almost all of our pledges were made online, though. You can just go online to knon.org, hit the pledge now button, and a list of all the pledge premiums will come up. Things like the KNON custom Texas Ranger style baseball jersey now in blue and a full button up baseball jersey with red and white KNON on the front and a white KNON or a white Dallas Texas in front of the jersey and 89.3 in red and white on the back. Boy, this goes back and forth between red writing and <laughs> red writing and white writing. And to read this, confusing. Uh, it comes in sizes medium through three extra large, and this goes for $125 pledge. Our regular T-shirts go for a $50 pledge. This uh, pledge drive, our regular T-shirt is a red T-shirt with uh, gray KNON 89.3 Voice of the People Dallas writing on the front, and a, we can say this because Patty's not here. See, Patty, you're, I know you're listening. and But I'm here. I don't like it either. You, you keep forgetting that. The ladies' T-shirt. The ladies' T-shirt uh, is gray with black writing this time. But anybody can get it. Anybody. <laughs> so, matter of fact, I just ordered one. Uh, yeah, and that'll fit you. Um, <laughs> it's a slim cut, Laurent. <laughs> no, they have it from uh, S to 3X. I'll get the 3X. Oh, okay. Yeah, it, 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 it'll hide my belly. So, so give us a call. He's getting the slim fit, triple extra large. <laughs> <laughs> 
but he made a pledge, so I he's did. entitled so to, he to get whatever he wants that won't fit him. 972-647-1893, that's 972-647-1893, or just go online, that's the easiest way to do it. You can see what all the pledge premiums are, uh, and uh, uh, make your pledge. We ask for very little information, name, address, phone, uh, an email address, and then how you're going to pay. Uh, one of the ways that you can pay is by breaking it up into small little chunks, so monthly. Do you have that one? Ron? Yeah, you can you make these payments through uh, what we call sustaining donations. You can do it with a credit or a debit card as well as a checking or savings account. Call now and tell us what you would like to, uh, how much you, you want to help with this sustaining monthly donation. Your donation would be a gift that keeps on giving all year, one month at a time. You can have it deducted at the first of the month or on the 15th. It's up to you. Um, it's easy. It's automatic. You select the amount that comes from your account every month. The minimum amount is $5. Uh, so give us a call. We'll help you get set up on that. It's 972-647-1893. Or you can also go on knon.org. And we are talking to Richard Ray and Scott Pogansy about uh, the film Texas Justice Brandon Woodruff. Texas injustice. Texas injustice. <laughs> because, they, because it was it was a grave well, yeah, injustice. Yeah, so it was Texas justice Brandon Woodruff. Um, but uh, since we're changing it into a docu series, we're trying to make it a little more mainstream sounding. Now you so. have a screening of the film coming up at the Texas Theater in Greenville on September twenty fifth. Yes, which is a Saturday at six p.m. So if somebody would like to see it, that's a good way to. Absolutely. In fact, we've had uh, Scott did a couple screenings before I got on board, but we had a screening screening in May. We actually sold out the first show and added a second one uh, the following night. And in both cases, uh, I introduced the film, the film that I first saw in January of this year, uh, but a film that Scott made about four years ago. And it's a cut down version of that one he made about four years ago. And then after we show the film, we, Scott and I got on stage and took questions. And in both cases, the question and answer period went on for like 90 minutes. We had to cut it off. And once you see the film, you'll be as impressed as I was after seeing it. And with all the unanswered questions, with all the how could that happen kind of stuff that comes out, people just kept asking questions. They wanted more and more and more. We've got a tentative agreement now because we did get we were able to get the Innocence Project of Texas involved in this case. They are now working with Brandon's appellate lawyer, and um, we've got a tentative agreement to have Mike Ware, who's the uh, C CEO of that, or uh, somebody representing uh, the uh, Texas, or Innocence Project of Texas, Texas. Mm -hmm. on the stage with us to answer questions that people might have for them, because they are convinced, as Scott and I are, that uh, Brandon is innocent and can be proven. Mm -hmm. And also, if anybody wants to get there, there's our reserved seating. So if anybody wants to get tickets for that, uh, it is in Greenville at 6 p.m. on Saturday, September 25th. You can go to freebrandon.org slash tickets. You know, when, when I saw the film, it's kind of like what you said, Richard. It, you, you just you kind of flabbergasted that this even happened. Like, oh, my God. And so... Um, I felt like, how do I get involved? And I'm sure anybody who sees the film, you're going to have that feeling like, is there anything I can do? But really, you, your hands are tied. And I, I presume that even Brandon's 
um, attorney's hands are tied now. Well, the biggest thing is that we want to get a community uh, backing behind his case. And it's very difficult to do that when somebody hasn't seen the film and hasn't seen the story because, you know, everybody's perception is, oh, well, everybody in prison says they're innocent, you know, and it's really not true. There's, I mean, if there's been studies that have done that, you know, they went in and asked people, you know, did you commit the crime that you did? And, uh, you know, a vast majority of them say, yeah, I committed, I'm doing my time and, and whatever. Um, but the ones that really profess their innocence and scream from the mountaintops that they're innocent, you know, those are the ones that, that really I like to listen to because those are the ones that I feel like, you know, there's there's a reason they're saying it. Um, so what we need is we need a, a community effort. Uh, we need people to be there when we file something. We need support. We need people to share it on social media. We need we just need to get the story out there, and that's what most people uh, can do. Um, other than you know, of course, uh, financial help. But we'll talk about that I think in the third third section. Yeah, I want to make a couple of points here. You know. You, we saw the film. You know, I've seen the film. Mm -hmm. What we've found in talking to people who were key role players in this is they don't know the whole story because they were kept in the dark. They were on the witness list, so they weren't allowed to attend any of the trial. They don't know any of this stuff. So we've got people who all along, thought, oh, yeah, he must have been guilty, must have been guilty, that don't know any of the whole story. All they know is what they saw in the newspaper the local newspaper beforehand, most of which was not true, was was character assassination stuff that was not presented in trial because it wasn't true. A key point being the arrest affidavit, a key point in that was that the ranger said on Brandon's MySpace page, it said, I hate my effing parents and I wish they were effing dead. That was not true. Provably not true. Provably not true. In fact, after the ranger found out that it was not true, <laughs> the guy who told it to him is in a witness room, a guy named Mike Etherington, and he says, I could strangle you, Mike. I just put this, I just took this young man's liberty away based on something you told me that wasn't true. So when you get into this kind of stuff, yeah, a lot of people in Greenville, oh, he's been in jail for three and a half years before he even went on trial. He must be guilty. And I don't think they know a tenth of the whole story. Right. That's the problem. We need champions. Brandon needs champions. And One of the things that I find horrifying is that presented to the jury was the idea, yeah, and he was out dancing at S4 on Cedar Springs uh, right after his parents were killed. He didn't know they were dead. Right. right. Had no idea. In fact, if you watch, uh, if you watch his uh, interview in the witness room of the ranger his reaction when they say we think you killed your parents was you just have to see it yeah. i mean he was like that's the last thing he thought was coming well he and had here's, no idea that and here and here the interview is you know five days after his parents are found dead right and the texas rangers are not releasing any information and, tech, and Ranger Collins actually says to Brandon, you know, Brandon, a gun's not that hard to operate because he starts asking about guns. And he says, a gun's not that hard to operate. And Brandon looks back at him and says, wait, is that how, is that, are you telling me that's how my parents were killed? He didn't even know five days after the mm -hmm. murders that his parents were shot. 
So, you know, this is just, it, it's crazy. That, and I do want to, I know we're about to go to a break, sorry, but I do want to bring up one quick point. You know, we were talking about how he was telling Ranger Collins, you know, that he did this at this time and he was off a couple hours, you know, but he was hiding his sexuality. I want to, I think it's very important that Brandon told Ranger Collins that he went to S4 that night. You know, it's not his fault that Ranger Collins didn't know that it was a gay club. So he wasn't hiding his sexuality from the Ranger. He was only hiding his sexuality in his life from his friends, his church friends, his school friends, you know, people that he wasn't comfortable telling. So he was upfront and honest with the investigators. And, and you said he had, to, he had to wait five days to find out about the murder weapon. Well, we had to wait months and months <laughs> till we found out that Kanoen was picked for the 2020 Survivor Award by Fort Worth Weekly for uh, when our studio was destroyed in the tornado and we were back on the air within two days. Uh, that was an amazing effort that uh, our whole staff here put on, but it was an amazing effort by our listeners because we had a an impromptu pledge drive, and that saved the station, and our listeners came through for us. We need our listeners to come through for us again uh, and help us finish this pledge drive. It's how we stay on the air is through pledges. Uh, 972-647-1893 is the number. 972-647-1893. We're about to go to a break. That's a great time to go online to knon.org. Hit the Pledge Now button and just answer a few simple questions uh, and uh, make your pledge to help keep Lambda Weekly and KNON on the air. This is Rollins Gilliland, and I really, truly believe that 89.3 and Lambda Weekly are not only adding to my life, but they're changing lives. So why don't you, at this point, when they need your help financially, call. They're going to give you the numbers, call in and donate so that we can perpetuate the future that is now. Welcome back to Lambda Weekly. Uh, we told you a couple of ways you can donate. You can give us a call again at 972-647-1893. You can call and we can get you help set up on a sustaining donation. And you can also pledge through a cash app. So if you have cash app, go to your phone and it is dollar sign KNON radio to make a quick and easy pledge. That's a dollar sign KNON radio, all caps, no space between the KNON and radio. Cash out pledges are not eligible for premiums. If you like, you can uh, make your entire donation to KNON and want to pledge using your uh, set phone, send your donation to KNON on Cash App. Uh, be sure to note this program of the show if you like to support, that you like to support. So it, I think it says David Taffet. Yes. Yeah. So, yeah. So you can, you can use Cash App now. We're actually, we're getting very modern. <laughs> You can use a phone. <laughs> <laughs> and let me also say, I, I was re, I was thinking when you uh, when you were talking about that sustained donation, that uh, you know I donate uh, ten dollars a month to the HRC, and it just comes out of your checking mm -hmm. account. And ninety nine times out of a hundred, you don't even notice it. It's like five bucks, ten bucks, you right. know, just like. So just set that up, and right, and, and those are so even, important to us because yeah. it's uh, it means that we know a certain dollar amount is coming in each month automatically, and. That's what gets the bills paid. Yeah, absolutely. So, and speaking of bills, the tower lease increased this year. <laughs> the office rent increased after the tornado. Uh, the insurance didn't care for our having lost the entire building <laughs> in a tornado. 
so all kinds of things like that have gone up in price for uh, for us to stay on the air. So help us out, 972-647-1893. That's 972-647-1893. Or just go to knon.org, hit the Pledge Now button, and uh, help us that way. Yep. I think we're going to start calling David the king of the segues, like just segue right into if the, you need help on your film how can we segue from the murder into something that i'm right. ha- happy to help we're talking to richard ray you know richard from uh, fox 4 news but he's now a documentarian uh, along with scott pogancy uh scott made the film injustice texas, texas injustice, injustice. Yeah. brandon woodruff it used to be texas justice it's no longer justice it's now injustice <laughs> now it's an injustice i mean yeah. So so before the break, uh, Richard, you were talking about how the jury didn't see everything that is shown on a film. And that's true. You're, yeah, I've been on several juries and it's very limited to what you are actually uh, exposed to, what they will allow. Um, but one of the things that is so was so poignant in the uh, the film, there's no physical or forensic evidence that even links um, not him to to one bit. Not one bit. Nothing puts him in that in that house at that time of the murder. No DNA. No. No. There was no blood in his car. There was nothing in his bags. They went over his stuff with a fine tooth cone and found nothing. That's what's so startling about this. Mm-hmm. There was there were they had no evidence that he committed this crime. It's all based on if you can lie about being gay, right. you can lie about killing your parents. They have a theory about a lot of this. But again, Scott contacted a uh, forensic ex- expert who reconstructs crime scenes. And from what he, from what he came up with, it should be no surprise to anybody. Uh, the, the prosecution's theory was that Brandon, who weighed a buck 40, and his ha- dad was a huge man, that Brandon s- stabbed and shot his parents 30, to- 30 times told, something like that. A crime like that is not done by one person. It just... It just boggles the mind right. to think okay, that Okay, so there was stabbing, there was shooting. Normally, if there's oh, more oh, than one murder weapon... It almost never happens, and it never happens if the murder weapons are different, if you've yeah, got a gun types. and a knife. Right. So he, somebody was shooting with one hand and stabbing with the left. Right. <laughs> I mean, all this stuff starts to come together. And, and, and doing this to two different people. To two right. different people who laid there and took it, apparently. Right, right. And, and that's, it, 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 nothing about this murder scene, and this is what's going to, one of the reasons it's going to be a really shocking, powerful film, uh, Ron, you saw this, mm-hmm. the shot in the dark crime scene is so eerie, Yeah. but it's it just indicative of the kind of investigation that was done there. The, the Texas Ranger told the two sheriff's deputies to go in and shoot the murder scene in the dark, so they're walking around the house with flashlights knocking over stuff, they're picking up uh, like uh, pill bottles and stuff without gloves on. Right. You can see it in the film. Yeah. And why they would shoot the murder scene in the dark, and then they ran out of battery and couldn't shoot it again in the light, the, the twists and turns that this story takes, when I saw it for the first time, I said, making a murder. Mm-hmm. I, I, I don't know if you guys were caught up in that a couple mm-hmm. of years ago, but sure. it went viral, this case in Wisconsin, where all sorts of outrageous things were done by the prosecution. That guy's still in prison, by the way. Mm-hmm. But um, that's the kind of twists and turns that this story has. And that's why we've kind of rebranded and rethought the process that we think eventually it needs to be a docu-series. You can't 
tell the whole story with all its twists and turns. Scott and I have just touched on a handful of them here right. in, a, in two hours. You really need four to six to eight episodes of a docu-series, and that might be just season one before they get him out of prison and then a new trial, season two. There's The opportunities are there. I, we're just kind of overwhelmed because it's been a roller coaster. We don't know how fast things are going to happen or how it's going to get done, but that's why we're trying real hard to raise We've got an Indiegogo campaign. We're trying to raise $60,000 with a name, with a promise from a name producer that he'll provide uh, uh, editors, uh, writers, uh, what, okay, whatever Okay, so you we can't need. give out the uh, director's name, Steven Spielberg, and uh, <laughs> we wish. Yeah, but, him, uh, uh, I think he could provide the 60000 Yeah, he probably do, but, <laughs> but uh, the idea is at this point is to make Episode one, and then sell that docu series down the road. Yeah. But and this and this this guy that we're talking to is is very sold on Brandon's story. You know, mm -hmm. we've shown him everything, and the normal. Well, price... if somebody approaches this this whole story with an open mind, you have to be on Brandon's side on this right. one. Right. Anybody who has seen your film comes out of it going, "How can that happen?" Right. Yeah. And he, you know, the normal, what he said was, and this is a Hollywood guy, he's done a bunch of uh, big name stuff. And he said the normal price uh, to produce a first episode, a pilot episode, will be 150000 And he's willing to donate his time and his resources and, you know, just as long as we just take care of the actual costs. Uh, and that's why it's sixty thousand instead of one hundred and fifty thousand. So he's he's doing a huge favor because he really believes in Brandon's innocence. And, and let me just say that Scott has poured his life into this for the last four years and a lot of his own money and his own time. I poured some money into it too. But we need champions. We need other people to step up and say, this kid's story has to be told. We got to do what we can to get this young man. He's thirty one years old now. 34. 34 years old. <laughs> you know, I'm at my math. Time That's why the journalist was He was 19 when he was yeah. arrested. He's been so. in prison or jail for 16 years for mm -hmm. a crime he clearly did not and commit. So what was his sentence? Life without parole? Uh, he will die in prison unless uh, the upcoming appeal is successful. In fact, even that wow. was kind of a prosecution ploy because if they would have sought the death penalty... That would have given him extra lawyers, extra resources to fight this. But by taking the death penalty off, mm -hmm. they could really lowball the, the, he got a court-appointed attorney, and that, it was just the one attorney. There were some things that happened that another attorney stepped in, much of it pro bono. And those attorneys, everybody who worked on his case is shouting from the rooftops, Brandon is innocent. Please look at this. Mm -hmm. So what? What he has had a few appeals. T tell us what, what what those were like. So the the appeals process. I'll try to do the Reader's Digest version. Uh, the appeals process has two routes. You have a state route and you have a federal route. Um, the state route is um, they have gone and they had a direct appeal. Uh, the people, the three judge panel, in the direct appeal, in their opinion, said that we have a lot of reservations about this evidence and you guys uh basically in legalese says you need to take this to the texas court of criminal appeals because our job is not to look at the evidence our job is only to look at if there were any procedural issues that is correct so he said you know so they said in their opinion uh we have 
trouble about the evidence in this case, so you need to take it to the Texas Court of Criminal Appeals. They did appeal it to the Texas Court of Criminal Appeals, and they refused to hear it. They didn't deny it. They just refused to hear the appeal. So, And then we have the federal route because the prosecutors uh, violated Brandon's Sixth Amendment rights by listening to his phone calls with his attorney while he was in jail. So that uh, that was appealed all the way to the United States Supreme Court, and they ultimately also refused to even hear though it. different appeals courts have ruled differently on that. Um, that fact, that's issue. why they thought they could get the Supreme Court to listen yeah. to it, because a number of appeals courts have said if you violate his Sixth Amendment rights by listening to phone calls with his attorney, which is outrageous, it's an automatic. You got to throw it out and start all over again. Except in the appeal- fifth district. Except in right. Except right. in uh, Louisiana. And that's typically what the Supreme Court does when there's different rulings right. for different appeals. Right. They settle it. Right. And they refuse to. And hear that's it. why we really felt like that the Supreme Court would hear it, uh, and we spent you know the money to to get it up there. Um, but ultimately, you know, the Supreme Court only hears about two percent of the cases that are appealed to it, uh, and so unfortunately, Brandon's was in the ninety-eight percent that they just refused. You know, they didn't deny it; they just refused to hear it. And you know, the, you said there are two different routes to appeal. There are two different routes to pledge to KNON. <laughs> you can either call nine seven two six four seven one eight nine three. That's nine seven two six four seven one eight nine three. Or you can go online and pledge uh, by going to KNON.org. Hit the Pledge Now button. Uh, fill out. It's a short form. takes you to the bottom. And when you hit the type of uh, payment you want to make, takes you to another page for you to fill out your payment form. Uh, and uh, you can choose your uh, pledge premium that way. We have a number of pledge premiums, including the KNON FlexFit ball cap for a $50 pledge. The KNON Big Thunder tote bag, that's a 15 by 13 bag. I use those for shopping all the time. Um, Patty uses them too. Do you, Laron? Yes, yes, I do. No, you don't. Yes, I do. No, you don't. <laughs> yeah, I do. You, you use plastic that the store gives you, and then you take the plastic and throw it in the street. <laughs> However, some of us are more environmentally conscious than certain people here are. Um, uh, one of our popular pledge premiums for, for a $30 pledge, the KNON Organic House Blend Coffee. Right after the show, we're going out to the mountains just beside <laughs> KNON and picking coffee beans ourselves. Uh, and uh, all that helps keep KNON on the air. Um, one of the things that we have, and I'll try to read it this time uh, in English, one of the, the pledge premiums that we have that's going to go away because we only ordered a limited number of them is the KNON Custom Texas Ranger Style Ball Jersey. It's now in blue, a full button-up baseball jersey with a red and white KNON and a white Dallas, Texas. In front of the jersey, an 89.3 FM in red and white on the back. And I read that all the way through Flawlessly. coherently. <laughs> it's a good-looking jersey. I'm looking at it. It, it is really a great-looking great really jersey. It's a great-looking jersey. Nice. Um, so give us a call, 972-647-1893. I'm standing by. I love to talk to you and take your money. And that is one thing you're actually calling the studio when yes. uh, you're calling that number. Other stations that ask for your money have you call some distant 
uninterested <laughs> call center somewhere else in the country. Now, I'm very interested to speak with you, so give us a call. 972-647-1893. We're talking to Richard Gray and Scott Pogancy about the Brandon Woodruff case. We've talked about it before, if it sounds familiar. Uh, we're going to keep on this case until Brandon's out of prison. And then hopefully one day we'll have him on. And uh, until we can it. have Brandon on the air with us. Right. Um, we need to take a break in just a couple of minutes, but have you been down to the prison to visit him recently? You know, because of the COVID situation, they stopped it for a long time. They just you reopened through glass. it. What, what COVID situation? Well, it's, the, it's the guards. You got to talk to the guards That's and, true. you know, all that stuff. So, um, and of course they suspended the, the actual contact visits, but, uh, but they did just start the visits again a couple months ago. Uh, but it's still severely restricted. You could only visit for an hour. You can, I mean, it's, it's, it's restricted. So we're kind of waiting to see um, what, the, what those policies are, and, and I'll go down and, and see him. But I do talk to him uh, fairly regularly. He's able to call out, and that helps keep some of his sanity and, you know, escape from, from Well, that's prison. what I was going to ask. How, if you're innocent of a crime like this, right. how do you keep your sanity? I've always told people, you know, I can understand how somebody deals with, you know, I committed a crime, I messed up, this is my punishment, I just got to do my time. I don't understand how somebody can go to prison for something they didn't do and keep their sanity. I, I completely agree with you. I've been fortunate enough to be in the car a couple of times when he's called Scott, so I've actually had a chance to talk to him. Mm -hmm. And he really does seem to be in remarkably good spirits. He's pretty focused uh, all the time on doing what he can do. Of course, he's very interested in what we're doing, and Scott keeps him abreast of that. But uh, he's an amazing young man. In the, you saw the film. Both of you guys have seen the film. There's, there's a moment in there where he, you know, he says, I love my parents. I feel like they're still here with me. They've protected me. I, I haven't been raped. I haven't been beat up here. I love my parents. He still mm -hmm. speaks of them in the, in, in the first person as if they were with Present, him. Yeah. He's in a unit, though, that is keeping him safe. I've visited a number of prisons, and some of them are a lot safer than some of the others. He's in uh, he's in the uh, all uh, the uh, um, Hughes unit right yeah, now down in right. Gatesville. Not all right. <laughs> I was just thinking about uh, the guy that you were mm -hmm. um, corresponding with, but uh, yeah, he's in the Hughes unit right now, and he's in a he's in a pod that they call safekeeping. Um, but I feel like I personally feel like it kind of makes him crazier. Uh, when I have to listen to all the stuff that he has to deal with, you've got all the, you know, that's where they keep all the, all the people that are, um, that need to be protected from the rest of the general population. Mm -hmm. So you have a lot of the gay people, you have a lot of the, um, people that seem to bring a lot more drama, I'll put it that way. So they're always writing cases on each other. They're always, you know, doing things that are kind of, petty and uh you know and it's all over love because they're all you know they're all into other prisoners and you know so there's relationships and you know what kind of drama goes with any <laughs> relationship so uh so there's a lot of that that goes on and uh so brandon kind of has to to keep his distance from all of that so that's why he's 
you know, thankful that he's able to call and, and stuff like that and kind of just have help his mind escape from prison. We need to take a break. You're listening to KNON uh, Lambda Weekly on KNON. I'm Dave Taffet here in the studio with Lauren Landis. Our guests are Richard Ray and Scott Pogancy. And we'll be back with more pledge drive information and more about the Brandon Woodruff case right after this. I'm Dallas City Councilman Adam Medrano, and you're listening to Lambda Weekly on 89.3 KNON FM. And this is Lambda Weekly. I'm Dave Taffet here in the studio with Lauren Landis. Patty is off today. And here's another way you can help us out here during this KNON Place Drive. It's called the KNON Elite Music Sponsor. Uh, new Elite Sponsor Package. Uh, basically, every new Elite Sponsor um, with this Place Drive can sponsor a KNON PSA announcement for a nonprofit of your choice. KNON will make a recording of another good cause that you select. You will be thanked on that recording. It will run for a month on the format of your supporting. Tell people about the good cause you believe in while supporting good music and programming on KNON. It must be a 501c3 and not a political or lobbying campaign. Your name will also appear on a KNON event guest list for one year. So for one year, every event that happens at KNON, you just show up. And normally, once we get those events going again, we normally do about 40 events a year. Mm -hmm. Most of them include food. And for $500 uh, to become a, an elite sponsor, I don't think it says the dollar amount on there. It doesn't say the dollar amount, but, but it's it, you're right, it's $500. Um, you know, tickets to a show and dinner, you're going to make your money back real quick if you just go to a few of these. It, it, I mean, if you go to, like, I guess, any standard artist concert these days, you'll make that up in probably one night. <laughs> I mean, not only are the tickets uh, for two people, that usually push over $500 right there. But then you got to pay for parking. That 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 costs. It's not free. So, yeah, you can make your money back on this really quick. And dinner. And dinner. So uh, yeah. that's a great deal. And we've sold several of those on here. And uh, the thing that shows that those are really valuable is that those people have renewed their uh, sponsorship. Yeah, so if you're a fan of live events and live music, um, this is this would be perfect for you. And again, you don't. It's five hundred dollars, but you don't have to pay it all at once. You can put it on a bank draft or a credit card, and it for forty-two dollars a month. Just like Scott said, you won't even miss that. <laughs> and I guess I should follow that up with something. <laughs> I don't. I was, know. Give us forward. a call. I was looking forward to seeing you picking the coffee beans. Well, after the show. After the yeah, show. Yeah, we'll right. go out well, to Mount KNON. <laughs> Mount KNON. Uh, so give us a call, 972-647-1893. That's 972-647-1893. Or go online to uh, KNON.org and um, hit the Pledge Now button. Yeah, yeah. I, I, I knew that part. I knew that part. <laughs> after a few hours of doing this, it's like you're on automatic and... Uh, uh, if you're not thinking about what you're saying, uh, it's, go it's, to there's a button that would just tell people to pledge now. What would it be called? Oh yeah, the pledge, <laughs> the now, pledge button. now button. The pledge <laughs> now button. Uh, and that's how most of our listeners actually do pledge. When I was looking at uh, last pledge drives list, uh, only a couple of them had called into the studio. All the rest were people who had pledged online. So thank you to everybody who did pledge online, and please pledge again if you yeah. can. It's so easy. Just yeah. click the. Button. We're talking about the Brandon Woodruff case, and we're going to keep talking about it until he is out of prison. 
Uh, this is one of those things that, you know, if it wasn't for the gay show, uh, who is going to stand up for this guy? Right, right. Absolutely. I, I want to go back to the uh, forensic evidence. Um, as we mentioned, as Richard and Scott both mentioned earlier, you know, he, his parents were killed with not just a gun, but also a knife or knives. Um, so it was a pretty bloody scene. Did they find any forensic evidence that did not match to Scott or anybody else? Well, there's a, there's a really key thing here. Uh, his mom had hair in one hand that was her own hair, but in her right hand, she had long strands of blonde hair, which you can see clearly in the, uh, uh, the photographs that were taken at the crime scene. And despite the defense asking repeatedly for those blonde hairs, because nobody involved in this case had long blonde hair. Mm -mm. Uh, Brandon had short, spiked, dyed black hair. Yep. Uh, his mom had, I don't know, gray hair, gray reddish hair, hair yeah. whatever. Uh, Dad didn't have blonde. So where did these long strands of blonde hair come from, and why were they never tested for DNA? Which, again, is the one of the things that I get into this, and the more I read it, the angrier I get. How could you not test those hairs, and yet they were never tested? Yeah, you were asking if there was anything that was tested that didn't match. And, you know, the answer to that is, well, they would have had to have tested stuff. So they didn't it test to anything. They did not. The, there was no testing of any of the blood. I, I guess they just assumed, okay, there's all this blood that's all over the, the box that was a, a makeshift coffee table, all over the carpet, all over the, the couch. I guess they just assumed that this was Dennis and Norma's blood. And in fact, the crime scene reconstructionist that we were able to hire actually came in and from the blood spatter, the patterns and everything, was able to determine that he believed several of those drops were the perpetrator's blood just from the angle that it was at, um, where he would have had to have been standing, where Dennis and Norma were found, et cetera. And if that's true, wouldn't blood have been found in uh, the truck, in Brandon's truck? If in he the truck or in the bathroom. And that's another thing that, you know, Richard mentioned earlier about the water being still fresh in the, in the guest bathroom there. There was blood dripping all the way to the bathroom. And then right at the threshold, all of a sudden, there's no more blood. There's no blood in the bathroom. They, you know, so somebody wow. spent a significant amount of time cleaning up that bathroom so much that there was no blood found whatsoever. And they tested a lot of stuff. They they did the luminol test, and you know, they thought that they had blood, and they took all kinds of samples. Well, it turns out what they were what they were finding was that it was bleach and not blood because bleach also tests positive on the luminol. Hmm. Um, so, so somebody, you know, uh, uh, presumably assumed that some of their blood was getting all over the bathroom, so they had to spend a significant amount of time cleaning up that bathroom. And, and we believe that they came back yeah. after the crime had been perpetrated, sometime, sometime pretty close to when the bodies were found. Somebody came night, back yeah. in the house and cleaned that bathroom. Because when you have a crime scene with multiple people, as gruesome as this one was, usually, not all the time, but usually the culprit is probably injured also. Right, and especially with a knife, because when they stab somebody, right. 
yeah, the Nash and, and gun that he had. Well, yeah, how careful can you be? The other, yeah, okay, right. <laughs> yeah, and, right. and a lot of times, you know, when it gets, you know, the blood makes it real slippery. So when they use that knife and they go to stab somebody, if it hits a bone or if it hits and nicks anything, then it's going to slide down and cut themselves. Right. And so that's one of the reasons that I was so appalled that they didn't test this this blood that they that was, you know, on at least on the box or on the carpet or, you know, someplace like that. Because we definitely, if they would have, you know, would have conclusive evidence of. So do, do we know that they even took samples? They did not. Oh, my. Wow. Oh, no. Wow. There's there's no, I guess, like I said, they just assumed that it was all Dennis and Norma's blood and, and didn't. The only thing that they took samples of was in the bathroom where they did the luminol because, you know, luminol helps you find blood that's not visible to the right. naked eye right so they're basically they're kind of thinking to themselves well, why is there blood dripping all the way to the bathroom but then i don't see any in the bathroom so that's why they did the luminol and they're like oh god there's blood everywhere so they started taking samples with their q-tips and stuff and then it turns out that all the uh samples that hit quote unquote on the luminol were all bleach so somebody spent a, a significant amount of that time. And one of the things that we were able to do with the phone records that are existing is narrow down the time that Brandon even had the opportunity to commit this crime and hide the murder weapon and all this other stuff. And it was 14 minutes. And there's absolutely, and we can prove that forensically, and there's absolutely no way that anybody, even a trained assassin, could have done this in 14 minutes, let alone a 19-year-old gay kid that's never shot a gun. In fact, was uncomfortable with guns, and there's testimony that had uh, gone out with the girlfriend and his and her folks and didn't know how to use a gun and didn't want anything to do with guns. It, in fact, he actually went down to Walmart with his girlfriend's dad and, uh, and bought a brand-new gun because they were going to go out skeet shooting. And uh, he, they went out there, and, and they did it that one time, and he hated it didn't like the guns whatsoever and and just gave it to to his dad to her dad and so that was the only the one and only time they ever actually even ever shot a gun and, and where did he learn to stab people with a knife <laughs> i don't know i guess that was uh in, i mean in theory with the, from the police and, and again from the forensic expert that uh, we contacted the whoever was doing the stabbing was left-handed right which brandon brandon's right hand brandon so. is not yeah, and so, so he couldn't have, being a bad shot or somebody who had very little experience shooting, he couldn't have shot with his left hand. Had to shoot with his right hand and stab with his left is the theory, I guess. But it's just it's preposterous. Well, and, and it's, you know, it should be pointed out that this is all stuff that we've been able to find afterwards, you know, um, that from the people that I hired. The, the prosecution never did that kind of analysis and the defense was uh were uh constrained by what the court would let them spend because they were court appointed attorneys so had that the investigators and i'm talking about on the da's side uh, on the state side had they ever investigated a murder before <laughs> i mean there are so many mistakes in this one well that it I seems mean, like this was really it, it's very uh common practice for the local sheriff when there is a capital murder to call in the Texas Rangers because it did exactly what you're saying. It's just beyond their scope of investigation. And so they called in the Texas Rangers and uh, Ranger Collins had investigated a murder before. I actually got his, um, his resume and, you know, cases that he had done, um, but uh, not very many. 
and uh, and none of this magnitude. They were all just kind of like, you know, husband shot the wife, that type of thing. So hmm. this is this is the first one that actually involved multiple victims. And again, Ranger Collins, the investigators who were uh, with the sheriff's department at the time, none of those will talk about this case. They won't tell us why they think they got mm-hmm. it right. They just refuse. How many, in fact, of the one of them, one of them is uh, is the sheriff of Hunt County now. What about any of the jurors? Will they talk? Yeah. Scott spoke to three of them, and that gets really interesting too. Yeah, three of the jurors actually talked to us for the film, and we're working on getting more. Um, but uh, one of the jurors. Um, just had not heard anything about this case since the trial. So she was still kind of of the opinion that Brandon did it because she didn't hear anything. And I shared with her some stuff, and she kind of started to be like, oh, wow. Uh, but two of the jurors um, are absolutely on board with Brandon's innocence. In fact, one of them has told me directly, anything that I can do, let me know, because I, you know, he's seen the film and he's seen, you know, the backstory or the complete story, as I like to call it. And uh, he has come to me and said, anything that I can do, Scott, let me know. Did he he also say what what he was presented with in court? And we again, we know that they're not shown everything or told everything. But was there something that he was shown or heard that made him say, "Okay, yes, Brandon is, is guilty, because even what they were shown. I, I would have had trouble um, saying, okay, no, you haven't proved your case that he that he, that he uh, killed his parents. That is a very complicated um, question. Um, let me see if I can kind of condense it down. Um, the male juror that's on Brandon's side, his name is Larry, he was doubting it as soon as I went in and talked to him. I didn't even have to say anything. He's like, I don't know if we got this right. Um, so I didn't really have to talk with him about that. But the one of the ladies that I talked to her she was the the quote unquote holdout she was the one that it was like 11 people trying to convince this one person that Brandon's guilty and what she told me was the thing that finally allowed her to say okay yes he's guilty was the fact that there was no um, recent stab wound that was uh, discovered on Dennis's body that would allow for him to for his blood to be on the supposed murder weapon, because the the we haven't even gotten into that today. But the knife, the the sword that was found, you know, two and a half years after this in a barn um, that they proposed was the murder weapon had a couple drops of Dennis's blood underneath the handle. And so the jury couldn't understand, well, how is Dennis's blood going to get underneath the handle if he this wasn't used in the murder? And, and it, they, you know, of course, the prosecution proposed that it was Brandon's sword, which it wasn't. But um, so anyway, so there was so they came to her and said, look, on the autopsy, there's no recent, um, you know, there's no old scars. There's no reason why his blood would be on that sword except for if it was used in the murder and you know there's all kinds of different uh things that we talk about in the film that explains you know not only that this wasn't brandon's sword but uh you know it was found two and a half years later after the contents of the barn had been moved to the house and then the house had been moved to the barn and back and back and forth several times and nobody happened to find this sword 
until you know two and a half years later, right before the day before the trial. And uh, so, yeah, so there's all kinds of suspicious stuff, but that was something that was presented to the jury that um, that they didn't get the whole story on. Interesting. And, and, and the logic behind that, that there somehow had to be a scar on his hand for that to show yeah, up. Yeah, I've got scars no that, that, that I've had, you know, that heal that you never see. Right. You know, right. we all do. We're coming up toward the end of the hour. Uh, next show is not here yet, though, so stay uh, <laughs> right where you are. Uh, it is Pledge Drive here at KNON, though. Uh, at, at this point, the easiest thing to do is just go online knon.org, hit the Pledge Now button, and uh, support Lambda Weekly uh, LGBT Radio for North Texas, the only uh, LGBT show on in North Texas, and we've been on longer than any other LGBT show on anywhere in the world. We've been on for 38 years. Wow, nice. Uh, we just passed our 38th anniversary with, uh, with the station's 38th anniversary, the beginning <laughs> of the month. Uh, so support LGBT radio, nine seven not 972, because I just told you it's too late to call because the next show is going to come running in <laughs> any second now. Uh, go online to pledge, knon.org, and hit the Pledge Now button, and we really do appreciate that. Uh, we had, a, oh, a few hundred dollars to go. Uh, our goal is another $13,000, but that was probably earlier in the weekend, so... I imagine we're pretty close to our goal, but our show still has to make our goal in order to stay on the air, and our listeners have always come through for us. Um, in case we have to rush out, I want to thank you, Richard. I want to thank you, Scott, for being here again and keeping up the good fight for Brandon. Uh, we really do support him. Like I said, uh, the next show is not here yet. Uh, in a minute, I have to stop and do our station ID. Richard, you know all about that. Right. <laughs> If I could possibly uh, just real quick give the a couple links because sure. a lot of people want to know how to get tickets to sure. the uh, to the showing, um, so you can go to freebrandon.org/tickets uh, to get a ticket for the September 25th screening at 6 p.m. It's a Saturday, and also to help us fight. You know, Laurent had asked about how to get involved, and you know, the community support is obviously one of the biggest reasons or one of the biggest things that people can do to support. Us, uh, but to help us get to our goal of creating the first pilot episode, um, anyone can go to freebrandon.org/donate, and that will give you a link. Uh, you can watch the sizzle reel. We have a new sizzle reel. Um, you can. There's all kinds of uh, different resources you can see, and there's also a link to our Indiegogo campaign. Okay, and let me just do our top of the hour.